0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Pod by the Bay. I'm your host, Nathan Bond, joining alongside me, Seth Varnador, Robert Steeg hashtag put me on Survivor. Fellas, um, some light football notes, and then we're going to, you know, it's it's January, we're in the throes of conference play. Uh, we'll, we'll start, uh, we're, we're going to start focusing on men's basketball, women's basketball, <laughs> unfortunately. And uh, we'll... Uh, We'll dive deep, but you know, a couple of housekeeping notes. I guess, or just for for football's sake, um, some fun news. We'll start with the fun news, and then you know, a little bit, um, I guess, quote unquote, serious. Uh, former USF running back slash wide receiver slash kick returner, uh, one time uh, Big East special teams player of the year, Lindsey Lamar is now headed to the University of Pitt as their running backs coach under, uh, offensive coordinator, uh, Kay Bell. Uh, Lindsay spent the last four seasons at Howard starting out as wide receivers coach and then eventually, uh, getting the OC gig where, uh, Howard had a pretty explosive offense this year and, uh, in the loss to FAMU in the celebration Bowl if I'm not mistaken. Um, so uh, good news all around. Um, awesome to see him ca- get an opportunity. I saw him walking into a game. I, it might have been senior night for USF because I think Howard played earlier or something like that. And uh, him and I talked for a little bit. Him, He went to Hillsborough. He was a senior. We're, basically, we're literally the same age. So he was a senior at Hillsborough High School when I was a senior at Chamberlain. Um, so a lot of overlapping connection, uh, there. So it was nice to see him again. Um, still got a lot of passion for his alma mater. That's for sure. And, uh, it's always good to see, um, you know, former, former bulls, uh, kind of taking the next step, uh, and progressing in their career. Unfortunately, uh, probably at the hindrance of some HBCUs. Um, I know how Howard and them you've kind of been picked over over the last couple of weeks. Uh, after having such good seasons, um, but you know, job promotions, baby.
1: Got to got to get paid while you can.
0: Uh,
2: there's a heavy uh, USF flavor to the old Pitt Panthers. Yeah, there's, there's a,
3: a- like five former coaches that across like sports that are at Pitt right now.
2: You've got uh, obviously you just talked about Lindsey Lamar. You've got uh, Cade Bell. Was uh, what was he, a analyst when he was here officially? Sure, uh, totally off field for M- sure. No way ever on field, nope. Uh, and then uh, Darvo, who was offensive line coach, who was that at one,
0: w- one season, yeah, who was at Western, um, with Cade uh, and Kerwin Bell the last couple of seasons.
2: So. Was Lamar on staff? I know he was with Jeff Scott. Was he on staff at all? with? Uh, that group yeah uh, right yeah it well, was
1: right i'm pretty sure so and i'm almost positive
0: when willie taggart took the organ job tj weiss obviously promoted to interim head coach lindsey lamar coached wide receivers
1: during bowl prep if my memory serves me correctly So that was 2017. So he was there throughout the entire Charlie
2: Strong. Yeah, it looks like he promoted to a quality control position in January 2019. So they were on staff, they were all on staff together there as well. So
1: there you go. There you go. Other, I guess, news and notes Um, all three
0: former USF uh, players advanced to the next round of the playoffs uh, in the NFL. Uh, Deidre Sinat, practice squad for the Bucks after they absolutely smashed the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night. And then Austin Ryder, practice squad, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs advance after uh, kind of just dominating Miami in the cold. Um, I mean, that was uh, that's too cold to play football. Like, the feels yeah. like at negative 27 degrees, that seems insane.
2: Yeah, I, I went to school in West Virginia for a year and they would always talk, you know, anytime it got in like the low forties, that that was football weather. I disagree. <laughs> and, and that like, was a and that was, you know, like just an eighty degree <laughs> degree difference from that. Like so, that's insane. That's not great. So that is not football weather. Football weather is like sixty fifty five and clear. That's beautiful football weather. Okay.
0: That's like Andy Reid's freaking mustache froze. Like <laughs>
2: But like, it just doesn't seem fun.
0: And no, it doesn't seem It was it not awful. no, it
2: is not fun. See those guys like kicking it. it that ball must have been it awesome.
0: it was it was like you were watching like soccer back in the fifties when they were playing like rawhide, <laughs> but it was just disgusting. Yeah, it was awful. Um to so, tough it stuff.
2: It was enjoyable. You know, it is fun to get one of those kind of games every now and then though, where it's just like you know, the weather's awful. Right. Uh, and you just got to see these guys kind of have to slog through a nightmare. It's always fun. Big snow games, those kind of things are yeah. always, at least There's one year is enjoyable. Yeah. Just
0: uh, God, God bless. That was terrible. Um, let's see. Any
1: other news and notes that we should talk about? Mm. I've got something. Go right ahead.
2: Start celebrating, start budgeting your travel. USS gonna make the playoff next year. <laughs> According to Brad Crawford of 247 Sports.
1: I uh you know,
3: I I amongst anyone really appreciates the way too early's that people <laughs> that do the way too early mock drafts, the way too early Super Bowl predictions. My favorite is whenever the MLB releases, like, or the uh, MLB Network releases, like, the next twenty five World Series champions. Yeah, like, half those guys aren't even born yet, and you're already predicting the Orioles are going to upset. <laughs> you know, so just hilarity. Uh
2: yeah, uh, this looks silly to me. <laughs> they go. got a they've got a real Willie Taggart region up there at the top. You got the <laughs> you got like the Brian <laughs> Ke- you got the Brian Kelly game at the bottom. You got the Willie Taggart region up top. Oh I think,
3: gosh. I think they just chose like Brad Crawford's like reasoning behind it. I mean, it was like somewhat sound. It was like, oh, you know, Golish
2: had a really good year. In I year can read one. you the offense. I, yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna read you his blurb here. Uh, there's a lot to like with what former Tennessee assistant Alex Golish built down there in Tampa. He out recruited every other group of five program in the 2024 cycle, and with reigning conference in SMU moving on to the ACC. In questions around Tulane, following Willie Fritz's departure to Houston, that strong lead is wide open, and uh, this is also under the assumption that uh, it stays at a six and six, which it certainly seems like it's going to go to a five and seven. But mm-hmm. he does have USF as the highest rated, so they would be the twelve if it did go to. A six uh, and
1: six. I mean, I
0: I don't know where to start. I, we it. What it came out on Monday, right or early Tuesday, and I think I sent in the group chat like, "Oh, this is ridiculous." And then we were, you know, prepping for the show as we are, as we sometimes do. And Seth, you bring it up. Hey, we should talk about the college yeah. football playoff article. And I was like, uh, "What article?" And then you send that, and I was like, "Oh, sweet baby Jesus!" They made a graphic for it.
3: Oh yes. <laughs> Some poor graphic designer had to first
2: that off is not the, the easiest playoff. one. He had to search for a couple of these logos. That thing has been made. Uh like Bud Elliott's been sharing the same graphic for like eight weeks. Uh, if it was 12 teams now, what would it look like? It's true. These graphics have been that's not too that's not too hard on the old graphics. I is mean,
0: I golly, I mean, listen. Awesome. But also now. Here, here's the thing with just one random like straw man. It's if USF goes like eight and four, it, like just the season is going to be a catastrophe for some folks. We so, were supposed to make the play. Yeah. Um, so let's pump the brakes. Uh, the defense is still atrocious. Well, I guess they're bad. They're not. I guess they're, I wouldn't say they're atrocious. Oh well, no, they were pretty bad. Um, so that is still a massive question mark. Uh, we don't know who the left tackle is going to be. I don't. My my betting favorite for that, uh, is Derek Bowman, slides over to left tackle. So, something to watch out for there. Um, I, I I don't know, man. It, it's this is crazy. I don't even think we're done with like the coaching carousel of of it no. all because uh, like
2: no. well, especially if head coaches are going to leave to take assistant jobs. Like yeah. it, it, we we may not be done with it for a while. So
0: So like just be mindful of that. Like much like we say, uh, heading into spring, hey, these are as of right now, a snapshot. Like this is a snapshot of you know January sixteenth at you know eight fifty two PM as we record this, like hey, this thing's gonna change. Who and knows?
2: Obviously a very uh positive, very bullish take on the possibilities of next year. Uh, exactly. Just Which taking is a it, shot. And this is also before Tulane's kind of put together a pretty good portal yeah. group, too. So
0: and yeah, you know, I think Tulane's still gonna be good. Like John Summerall, he, I promise yeah. you, he didn't forget how to coach.
2: Like they'll be good. They're losing a lot, but they have they've, they've got some interesting pieces, so
0: yeah, they'll be fine. Um also, if I never have to play Oregon again, uh, I'd be okay with it. Yeah. Um, have they ever played before? Uh, not to my recollection. I just I feel very strongly that USF should never play Oregon again. Yeah. For no reason.
2: Let me see. Where does he have that one taking place? Is there a game on that? Uh,
0: it would be at Alton.
2: Oh, that's right. That's, that would be on campus, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, Which, I mean, that'd be it, pretty cool. It's nice. It, I tell you what, though. You know, New year starting, uh, new tax year starting is nice for <laughs> Brad to let us know we might need a budget. uh um, yeah. playoff trip here later. We don't want yeah, to do a car wash in November or something, you know. To to
3: make it happen, yeah. I mean,
2: to, <laughs> to get God out. God
3: bless. Uh, this will be the easiest road or uh, easiest road game for Suzanne Ward to go to.
2: I know, <laughs> Dude, finally catches a
3: break. <laughs> Jesus, after five thousand. 000- Fifty billion uh, Alaska Airlines miles. She's finally like, "Oh my god, I can drive to one."
2: (laughs) She's been playing the long game the whole time. Yeah.
3: Um, Um, it's uh uh, neat. I I put absolutely negative three stock into anything that. (laughs) This is just fun to talk about. I feel like this is just like gets a few clicks. Um, you know, I. I, If you put a gun, the other
2: one. Yeah. If you put a gun to Brad Crawford's head, he couldn't name 10 players on the team. Like, maybe not even five players on the team. Right, I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, just trendy pick. It's, it's cool. But that's, that in and of itself is fun to be right. the trendy pick. But uh, where the this is just Northwestern erasure.
1: Where, where's Northwestern in this?
2: If they're, they're the I natural uh, ones, actually. Right in the article.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're 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 busy writing article That's fair. Um, I feel like we've we've spent enough. Probably way more. I do. I do want.
2: I do want to throw one thing out that we talked about previously. Now, this change. I think this was before. Uh, and this would be the last last thing on this because we we have other more pressing issues to get to. Obviously, um, I had a hot take a while back, but this may have been before all the conference changeups. Uh, that USF would get to the playoff before UCF. Is that still holding up?
0: I mean, it, shoot, it might because I don't see I don't see them doing much of anything of importance with the homeboy as head coach.
1: So that would be lovely. That was my
2: hot take when they got invited to the Big Twelve. USF would make the playoff before them. That's quite possible. I think if you it certainly seems like regardless whether it's six or five, the AAC champion is likely getting in this year was kind of an anomaly uh, because you lost, but it, even then like you still, most people thought it should have been them. So I'd imagine you're a pretty good team, AAC champ. You're going to get in the playoffs. So yeah. That's fun.
0: Agreed. Now to uh, uh, reality. I guess. Um, oh, yes. We haven't had a podcast since. There's been, has, has there been a podcast since we did the? There was a coaching change. Yeah.
3: Yeah, we did oh. last week. Did we?
2: No, I don't know that. No, because
3: yeah, it hadn't happened yet at that point. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, we didn't talk about. We, we talked, talked about,
2: about the. Answers. We talked about the first coaching change.
3: Yes.
1: The Jack Taylor news. Ah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the Jack
2: Taylor of it all.
1: So, uh, scoop Steeg over here,
0: uh, take it away, man. I mean, this was yeah, all you. you, you, were the only one that had it.
3: Yeah. Scooping Steeg over here. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Matt Burkett, uh, not retained as far as what we can, uh, boldly assume, uh, taken off the website, changed the profile picture, uh, removed USF from his bio, the whole nine yards. So, you know, Probably easy to tell where that came from. Uh, So, USF, without a current cornerbacks coach, uh, they still have James Rowe. Uh, James Rowe, the passing game coordinator and safeties coach. Uh, But I'd imagine uh, Golish is going to replace uh, that position fairly soon. Uh, With whom? We'll find out.
2: I I think there's not
3: as much popular names, but...
2: Yeah, no. maybe we'll talk about it in the Ponderosa today. Um, maybe uh, the other uh, like if you needed another sign, uh, is it pronounced is it Will Baylor? Is that how you say yeah. It? yes? Yeah, he's out on the road recruiting, so somebody's gone, right? Like you, you can only have a certain amount of coaches <laughs> on the road recruiting. Yep, it looked like he was out there today, so that would mean that somebody's got to be gone, and Jack Taylor's already stepped in to. The position, the tight end position. So he's on the road. Uh, so that would mean somebody's gone. And Stig nailed it. Steig was hours before everybody else. Great job, Steig.
3: Pat myself on the back. I did a. Uh, I felt nervous about it because it was one of those things that I I don't like Hank making the you know staff get caught with their pants down when they weren't prepared, and then they removed it from the website. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can do this now.
2: Yeah. yeah. And he put Perfect. that in the Ponderosa, Ponderosa Discord first. So, so if you're there in here, you had you it a little early.
1: Yep. early.
0: Yeah. Sometimes we have to keep our our, our lips sealed on um, potential recruits,
1: but coaching news. So if you guys are, can just be patient, you'll get the news. There you go. Well, patience goes a long way. How about it? All right, let's move on. Men's basketball, folks. It is. This is not the same old South Florida, my brother. Uh, this men's team is kind of fun to watch.
0: They're 9-5, 2-1 in the conference, coming off a, a pretty impressive comeback victory over Rice, uh, 81-73, where they were down by as much as 12 points with about 14 minutes to go in the second half. And then uh, and Pryor just kind of... Uh, Took over, would be the, the nice way to put it. Uh scored 27 of his 29 points in the second half, was fifth, I believe 15 of 16 uh from the charity stripe. Uh it just f- took over. Absolutely dominated, took over. Uh, it was a really impressive win from this USF team where there was two rice players who were shooting like 31% and 27% from three. And they were eight of 10 at one point uh, combined. And, you know, they just kind of kept battling, kept it close, kept it close enough. And
1: then exploded for 50 second half points. Uh, That's a damn good job. Yeah. Seriously. It is. uh, It's, it's, really nice to
3: see the team get it done in a way that we're not used to. Um, and I again, I, I try not to disparage previous staff and previous players and everything because they can only, you know, it, it's a symbiotic relationship at that point. But like, I don't think we've seen a, a big man take over for USF in a long time like that. You know, normally it's it's the hero ball. Normally it's, you know, a, a Tyler Harris going, you know, six for eight from Bond beyond 3 range to, to bring it back into play. But, you know, Kaysen's a very, very interesting player, like a, a big man that likes to dribble, loves to, you know, establish dominance on the court, have the ball and, and And the nice thing watching Amir coach them is that he's letting them play to the best of their strengths and they're all complementing each other fairly well. There's a little bit of times that, you're kind of like okay like you know you're you're getting some conflicting styles here um Jose Placer and uh um you know Chris Youngblood at times can kind of have contradictory styles but Kaysen kind of fits multiple different styles of of how they want that offense to run and and operate so it's it's really fun to watch like they're that's above all else they're a fun team to watch and that's a blessing at this point
0: yeah I, you kind of mentioned the, kind of a fun team to watch numbers wise they're not too dissimilar from last season's team um so this year they're averaging 76.4 points per game obviously still a pretty small sample size you know only 14 games um it's four four more points per game than they did last year uh the shooting numbers are about the same field goal and three point percentage wise but the difference is from the free throw line they're 7% better than they were last season. They're uh, av- they're shooting 72% from the charity stripe, and they're shooting about 65% last season. Um, that'll help you win a lot of games when you don't really have it. And it- they've gone to the free throw line, I think, 33 more times, 32 more times than their opponents this season. Um, it- it's just been a really good job by them overall. And, and the guy – played- yeah, bench play, I think they're top 40 in bench points. And you 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 can't mention how well the benches play without mentioning Salt Miguel, who has been just an absolutely different player this season. The numbers are roughly ish, this is like the same same-ish it is, uh they're they're up overall, except his assist ratio is down. But he's averaging four more points a game. He's averaging just over 14 points per game shooting 47 from 3 uh he has scored at least 10 points in 10 straight games um he he's played in 14 he has 12 double digit scoring outputs already in those 14 games like the the guy has been incredible um as, as he's kind of reinvented himself as uh as a guy that you know this team can Trust and rely on off the bench, and you know even Kobe Knox, who uh, I think outside of conference play was shooting like twenty seven percent from three. Um, he's kind of picked it up in conference play through three games. Uh, it's going to be exciting the back half um, of the season. The Bulls are nine and one when they score at least seventy points. They've scored seventy in at least in eight straight games. Uh, it, it, it's the race to seventy. Um, for this team. Uh, so it's going to be exciting to see the back half. And obviously they have a big game on Thursday uh, at Memphis against number 10 Memphis. So on ESPN, so it, it's been a fun kind of start to the year. Um, see, you've kind of really followed this team pretty closely this season. What's been, you know, through 14, what's been the, the biggest thing that's kind of stood out to you as either a marked difference, marked improvement um, from this team, you know, compared to the last three years.
3: Yeah. It, I think the biggest difference is is how they go about the game management. Um, you know, two different styles between Amir and and Brian Gregory. Amir, I mean, they they work through practices and, you know, they every coach is going to say that they practice at an elite level, but it, it seems like they're being very methodical with how they practice, how often they practice, when they practice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, making sure a guy might have a hot hand one day and might a cold hand the other day and you know they're methodical in their practices but during the game he's not doing too much coaching really like you know aside Mm -hmm. from you know hey like obvious things like hey you know make those passes hey do this hey do this calling the plays etc you know he's not coaching them in the game he's he's not letting them practice like they're they're running how they want to run it um you know it, it can be frustrating at times uh watching it because it's kind of like okay like make the adjustments they don't really make you know massive adjustments they're kind of just you know a, a slight tweak here and there you know maybe take one guy out yeah, replace them with a guy on the bench maybe you know talk things over see what's going on but i mean aside from rice shooting otherworldly you mm-hmm. know they 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 didn't really make adjustments it, it was the same game plan they were Defending the same they were preparing the same. they were you know calling plays the same it's just they they kept true it they they kept hammering it and they kept working at it and it's playing to their favor right now because they're talented enough they have enough skill they have enough finesse to them Um, obviously the the biggest and we've talked about it previously they have like very little size they're a very very small team Compared to other teams, so you know they'll get out rebounded. They they're not going to be too aggressive on the boards, but they're able to make up for it by being you know aggressive on the other end, making sure that they're you know getting open looks, getting good shots, and you know if they defensive rebounds are one thing, but you know they're 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 playing as aggressive as they can be, and you're kind of seeing it with fouls, and and that's playing into their favor at this point.
0: And I, I, I will mention, I mean. The front half of their schedule was like baby poo soft, I think would be the the nice way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, just going just straight off off a of, uh Ken Palm, They've only faced two teams that have a double digit ranking next to their name in Ken Palm, and they're one in one. Well, they lost to UMass and then they beat Florida State on the uh, at the neutral site. Um This Memphis game on Thursday is going to be their toughest test. They're 15 and two. They're ranked 10th in the country for a reason. Um, Seth, I know you have some interesting numbers uh, about Memphis and kind of, you know, I don't know if you want to sprinkle some in now and save some for for the Ponderosa, but I I figured this would be a, you know, get
2: you out of your comfort zone and talk a little basketball with us. I'm I'm here for it. Uh, Interestingly enough, looking at Ken Palm, Florida State is. The best team they have played, and they won that game pretty convincingly. So that's kind of interesting that Florida states are kind of by far and away the best team they played, according to Ken Palm. Um, Memphis, the interesting thing was this, and we'll get into more in the Ponderosa a little bit, a little bit deeper. But there is uh, so Ken Palm, Ken Palm.com, Ken Palm, where really has all this information, right? He's kind of the godfather, uh, but there's a newer. Uh, another metric that's going around called shot quality. And they basically tie um, every shot you take, they give it a chance of going in and it, and they tie it to who's shooting the ball, where they're shooting it from all that kind of stuff and assign a point value to that. Um, so it kind of tells you who plays, you know, who's playing really well or who's getting their good players, good shots. It's kind of the thing. Like, are the good guys getting shots? Um, so Memphis, for example, is 45th and Ken Palm in shot quality, they're 92nd and their win percentage. And if you just went on pure shot quality, so what they do is every game, they'll measure, uh, you know, who took the best shots, who gave up the least best shots. Right. And And they assign a winning percentage to that. So in shot quality, Memphis's record is 8-9, and nine, whereas their actual record is 15-2. and two. Uh, So they have a record luck, like a big-time record luck, according to this metric, which is pretty uh, one that I think a lot of people kind of go off of a little bit. Um, and why that might be is they're, they're really good on offense. They're set 20th in terms of getting really good shots offensively. So they're good players, take good shots. Um, but they are 310th on defense. So, really bad on defense. So, maybe if you're, if you're shooting hot, you're going to get a lot of good shots, it seems like, if you're USF. So, And we'll talk more about where USF ranks on on all these in the Ponderosa. But I just thought it was interesting just because I was trying to find USF where they were. I was like, okay, they're probably in the, you know, 100-ish area, hundreds. And as I scroll by there, I see Memphis. I'm like, aren't they in the top 10? So, I, I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. To see. Maybe, you know, maybe they're having a run of good luck. Or maybe, you know, guys are outperforming career averages and they are just gotten better. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of where they go because they're not one of these teams at, at the top there. So uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting preview of that game a little
1: bit. A little yeah. luck. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um be, yeah. So
0: going look, kind of looking ahead, um, we're – right. I guess essentially halfway through the season, right? Uh, Ish, 30-ish games, right? Um, So they're at Memphis. They're home for Wichita State on Sunday um, at Temple, home for UTSA at ECU at North Texas versus Charlotte um, at Rice, home for Tulsa. Then uh, February 18th is the FAU game and uh i think it was on saturday uh i was at work had a usf polo on and uh someone's like oh you're you're a usf fan i was like yeah and he had a san diego state shirt on so we're just kind of chit-chatting about basketball i was like oh yeah i'm uh we we already got tickets for february 18th. we're gonna we're gonna go see these two teams but um like San Diego State, alum, both like both people that I was speaking with are San Diego State alums. They're from the California. They're from California, but they want, they want to see this kind of matchup. They want to see you know what FAU is now in this year two and kind of what USF has started to do. I I think it it probably springboarded from football having a pretty decent season, but I have been stopped more and more over the last couple of months. Wearing USF stuff than I probably have in like the last like seven years.
2: They saw the playoff
0: prediction. I mean, it, I mean, <laughs> it, it must be, it must, it must be that. Um, is there anything we're gonna have to talk about women's basketball? Um, so I, I know we're probably gonna end end this podcast on like a sour note, which is unfortunate. Uh, but is there anything from men's basketball, either one of you, and we'll, we'll talk more like in depth stats. Um, in the Ponderosa that you guys want to see um, from this team kind of going forward uh, as they kind of get into the throes of this conference slate?
3: No, not really. I like, I know that sounds weird. They're nine and five and they, they are, you know, they're not perfect. They're far from it. But I I think the thing I'm putting solace in is that they're, they're naturally progressing the way that I thought they would. I thought they would start the year off a little slow, a little sluggish here and there. I know you can do as many uh, scrimmages as you want, but you know, I, I figured they were going to start slow and slowly, but surely start to develop, uh, you know, more consistency more gel with each other as the season goes on. Uh, much like many basketball teams do. So uh, that's nice. I, I think my only thing is I'm, I'm very curious on the recruiting front um, just because of the way that this team is built. There's a lot of, you uh, there's a lot of veteran leadership and not a lot of youth that is getting good looks. So I'm wondering what the recruiting plan is, but I don't have any contacts uh, with the recruiting folks there. So I'm going to be flying blind for the most part and just hoping and praying that a Carter Knox lottery hits.
1: Okay, awesome that'd, be cool. that'd, be. that'd be pretty awesome. awesome.
2: I got a, I got a couple things. One for the game, uh, the Memphis game. So on Ken Palm, it looks like both teams are some are are a little bit more heavily reliant on free throws as part of their offense than the national average. USF's 40th in terms of percentage of points from free throws. Memphis is 64th. So and they also Memphis is 300th in terms of how many points they allow on free throws. So they must foul a ton. Uh, So that would seem to be in USF's favor. So. Uh, if they can keep making those free throws, like you mentioned earlier, they were a little bit, they were much better at it this year. That could go a long way. And then I wanted to ask you guys so Ken Palm has a projected final record of 16 and 13, 9 and 9 in the conference. Uh, what would your feelings be if that's exactly how it turned out?
0: Uh, with the way that Ken Palm has USF losing the last four games, it would be pretty sour. because th- That would mean that they were 9 and 5 uh, going into the last sixteen game. and nine yeah, so um that would kind of
2: suck, i think you could like SMU's pretty good, two of those uh, are toss ups at the end, so i think yeah. you, you have a you know it could be eighteen and
1: eleven, yeah, um yeah e c u
0: you just can't trip over yourself like Wichita state is it, pretty even matchup, but they Kemp ha- Palm has it at sixty four percent um temple. Uh, is uh, a toss up at 55 percent, UTSA 83 percent. You can't trip over yourself against the, these bad teams, um, or uh, you know, comparatively, I guess, um, yeah. these bad teams to at least set yourself up up to have uh, an interesting showing in the conference. Tournament.
2: I guess if I told you before the season, you're going to be 16 and you know, or whatever the record, uh. Can what was it sixteen and thirteen and ninety nine in the conference? Would you have taken it? Yeah, absolutely. Never absolutely. That would be basically a two game turnaround on last year.
1: Yeah, I guess four game but- turnaround. Two more wins, two less
2: losses, both overall and in conference. So yeah,
1: I think it'd be. It, I think it would give you something to build off of.
2: There you
1: go. All right we'll we'll get in and out on this real quick. Uh women's basketball. Not great, mom. not great. They uh I'll be candid, they're not good this year. Just
0: they're, they're not. And when I say they're not good this year, I mean not good to the standard that USF women's basketball has been the last 15 years, right? And it's it is tough to kind of it i don't know maybe admit that right you know women's basketball it, you know you can't really compare apples and orange like men's basketball women's basketball completely different sports essentially um just how the game's played but goodness gracious this seems bad when they lose they lose big they yeah. lose big they like they get absolutely run out of the gym when they lose. Um, It's happening as we speak. I think the game's wrapping up and they're still down about 17. Um, It's when they're cold from three and this has kind of been, you know, the the lifeblood for this team for the last 10 plus years. If they can't hit a three-pointer, they're going to have a really hard time scoring points. And we're seeing that when Sammy Prisis went down, that that was basically a wrap on the season. They're about to, uh, you know, they're about to be three and three in the conference, um, in a conference that they were picked to win. And head coach uh, Jose Fernandez, God bless him, you know, he was he was pretty uh, annoyed that the conference went to more games because he thought that the the rest of the teams weren't ready and it hurt his chances because now you can't have as many out of conference games because you have to, you have the conference games kind of eating into eating into it. Cause I think they went from a 16, a 16 game schedule to an 18 game schedule. And he just didn't think the conference was good enough to do that. He said that publicly. I think he said it during the conference media days. This is not,
1: you know, something out of hat or out of turn. Like he, he was talking to the media when he said it. Um, We're we're like, you're getting everybody's best shot and you're at, you're, you're having like a B minus season
0: and more often than not, you're getting, you're getting hit hard. um, Yeah. And you're, you're wobbly. Uh, This, this team can't score. Um, The defense has been really bad. It's really tough to replace so many players all of the time. And this is just, I think you just got to chalk it up to, well, just one of those years.
3: Unfortunately. I mean, they're 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 missing their consistent player that can score twenty plus points a game, and it's no kind of question that you're not able to replicate that very yeah. easily. And you're seeing the result of that, where you know if Sammy is playing in a game like this where the other team is shooting otherworldly from three, you know you might be able to counter it by you know this game might be a little bit closer. <laughs> But unfortunately, right now they don't have that consistent outside you know, shot, so you know, it sucks. But also, they were kind of due for a down year at some point. I think six straight years of uh, really what I would consider to be elite play by them—you know, transcending players, transcending teams. So you know, no, not a big deal. They, the, the—you know—silver lining of it is that most of this team is still young and they're still developing. Um, you know, Vicky Blasi is, is obviously—you know—when she's on, she's on. When she's not, you're you seeing see. the result of that.
1: Yeah.
0: But she's um, really the
3: only threat that they have for scoring.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, Romy Levy, uh, she's had flashy, shown flashes over the last few games, averaging 17 points in conference play. Uh, but I think that the big miss the season, well, there's two. One is Carla Brito has taken a massive step back. She has been like the last three games been essentially unplayable um averaging I think about twelve minutes a game um, shooting twenty six percent from the field twenty five percent from three uh, like if you look at her stats from this year to last year, they're exactly the same, except you don't want your stats to be exactly the same when you played as much as you did as a freshman and now you're a sophomore. And it, as we speak, uh, they lost by 23. Um, that is the first time that they've lost back-to-back conference games since 2019-2020. Um, and they did it twice that season. And they I think they lost six conference games that year. And then the year prior was the 2018-2019 the season. Everybody got hurt. So it was like they played six, six players 40 minutes. Like it was... Ridiculous those back to back seasons. So I think we're gonna have to chalk this up there now. Eleven and eight, three and three in the conference. Their only hope to make a tournament is to somehow run the table, when the conference tournament, steal a bid. But them's them's the breaks,
1: folks. Um but uh Ariel Wilson. Um, God bless. Uh, shooting. I want to get, you know, I I do want to be fair. She's shooting 22%.
0: And she's shooting 20% from three. Uh, Again, Jose Fernandez said publicly if she can't start making shots, she can't play, except there's nobody behind her who can play. So now he's got to play
1: her almost 30 minutes a game. So, uh, rocking a hard place for Jose Fernandez and this team uh, this year. But, They'll figure it out, just next season probably. Yeah, they'll be fine next year. When Sammy, if, I mean, Sammy's got, yeah, uh, you know, nine, ten month recovery window, so that kind of sucks. But yeah. Oh well. Yeah. We can talk more later. Yeah. <laughs> well. As I said, we were probably going to end on a downer, so my apologies for that.
0: But it needed to be talked about. Um, I mean, we give we give the men's team a bunch of crap. We give all all you know if they're bad, they deserve crap too. So this is this is it, and this is so much nicer than I I think I've called the football team ass more times than I I care to admit over the last five years. So I think this is pretty pretty tame um with that thanks for tuning in make sure you like subscribe join the discord join the so you get extra stuff it's well worth the price um
2: we're about to go record another one right now
0: yeah so uh join us
1: why don't you tell your friends and uh go bulls go bulls go bulls